Welcome to Eat, Sleep, Wine, Repeat, a podcast for all you wine lovers who, if you're like me, just cannot get enough of the good stuff. I'm Yanina Doyle, your host, brand ambassador, wine educator, and sommelier. So stick with me as we dive deeper into this ever-evolving, wonderful world of wine. And wherever you are listening to this, cheers to you. Hello to my wonderful wine lovers. So we're back to part two with Natalie McLean. Now, the Financial Times of London said, Natalie McLean is a new force in the wine writing world, a feisty North American answer to Hugh Johnson and Jancis Robinson. She can write beautifully about wine. Well, it is true, but she can also speak beautifully about wine and there is nothing better than getting somebody to talk about a place very close to their heart and so you should hear and feel the passion today as we talk about wines of Canada where Natalie is from. The majority of the wine comes out of Ontario and so there's a big focus on this region alongside ice wine liquid gold but we will touch on the other regions except for bc british columbia as that was the focus on episode 70 with canadian master of wine siobhan turner so do go back to that one to complete your full canadian wine overview if you haven't heard that one yet now before we go to wine education time let me take you to my winery of the week So, of course, we are in Canada and I've chosen Stratus Vineyards. Now, Stratus Vineyards are in the largest of the three subregions in Ontario, the Niagara Peninsula. So within this, there are two regional appellations and then 10 sub-appellations. Stratus within the regional appellation Niagara on the lake. So look for that on bottles. Now, their winery is an L-E-E-D facility. So that stands for Leadership in Energy and Environmental Design. And it was the first winery to get this full certification back in 2005. The winery has this gravity-fed system, and most importantly, it's 100% pump-free. Now, there's not many wineries that can claim this. So they are all about low energy, with a special insulated roof that offers geothermal heating and cooling. They've even paved their car park with a special stone that reduces light reflected heat. Uh, They are all about sustainability and the environment. And of course, that is true of their wines too. So no chemicals used in the vineyards and they work with native plants and indigenous cover crops to encourage biodiversity. All their grapes are hand-thinned during the year as they practice low-yield viticulture. Then they're hand-harvested and, of course, then hand-sorted before heading into the winery. They are so focused on having the ripest and most mature grapes that they sometimes leave the red grapes on the vine until December. So talking red grapes, I have one of my favourite varieties the Cabernet Franc. Now this is the parent of both Cabernet Sauvignon and Merlot and this is the 2017 vintage. You can get it from Vinum for £28.85 if you're in the UK. So right time for me to give this a whirl. Mm. Okay so As expected with Cabernet Franc, it has a beautiful perfume. I get lots of red currants and like this 
fresh tobacco leaves. And then a little bit of damson and black plum. But it is mainly the red fruits. Now, as with Cabernet Franc, again, it has a kind of slight leafiness and and a little bit of smoke. I think they've put this a certain amount of time in oak. You can smell that. And there's a real cracked black pepper character. But beautiful, beautiful fruits. Mm. Mm. Now, all of those notes and aromas, they come through on the palate. That makes my life easy. (laughs) However, it's very old worldy in style and when I say that I mean it's not too fruity it's got a good concentration of fruit but it's quite earthy and it's quite savory so on the palate and certainly with this finish getting lots of graphite uh, wood spoke tobacco cigar box these kind of notes but there's also certainly a lot more cassis coming through alongside that red fruit presence it's a it's a really really bright wine mm. Mm. the tannins they're grainy but they're pretty medium minus they're they're, they're quite light and but the acidity is very very high really I guess I said a really bright acidity it's it's got this Bordeaux edge but it's not as heavy but at the same time it's chunkier than a Loire Valley Cabernet Franc it kind of really sits in between the two It's a beautiful, beautiful wine. This would work with roasted red meat, smoked red meat, or you could even pair it with something like a lamb tagine because it has all those kind of herbs and spices and it will really merge well with the aromatics of this wine. So if you haven't already jumped on to the Cabernet Franc train, now is the time to buy your ticket. And whilst you're waiting in the queue to get that ticket, let's have a listen to the chat with Natalie now. Now, you are Canadian. It was obvious that we would need to talk about Canadian wine. You're not allowed to talk about British Columbia (laughs) because that already got spoken about in episode 20. So that is off the market. But we are going to talk about some of the other regions and the one of the main regions of Canada has not been spoken about. So we are all good. Now, in England specifically, generally, we can only find, I think, wines from Ontario, which is the the largest region. But how does that compare to Quebec and Nova Scotia in terms of volumes and, well, everything? I'll leave sure. this. I'll hand sure. it over to you now. All right. <laughs> so a few quick stats. There are 185 VQA wineries, meaning Vintner Quality Alliance, which is like our DOC or our AOC. Mm-hmm. It's our appellation of guaranteed. These grapes come from this place and are made according to certain rules. So 185 wineries uh, have that designation, 1,700 acres of vineyards in Ontario. And just to put that in perspective, Ontario, um, I mean, it it depends on if you're talking about vineyard acreage, number of wineries, dollar amount sold, but it it accounts for almost 90% of wine produced in Canada. I'd say BC is like, let's say almost, because my math is not going to add up in a minute, but uh, BC is maybe almost 10%. And then you've got one or 2% in Quebec and Nova Scotia. They're, oh, they're much smaller. Yeah, and okay. um, yeah, and I think like England, uh, Yanina, the, 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 the major wine regions are in the south of the country where it's warm enough to, to make wine. Yeah. Whereas Quebec and Nova Scotia are much cooler climates. So they're 
They're making um, wine mainly from hybrids or German varietals. We've got some wineries in like the Prairie Provinces and Newfoundland, but they're making wine from fruit that's not grapes. Mm. Okay, yeah. A bit like when we spoke about Scotland. Exactly. <laughs> there is a definitely a parallel. So what is the climate like in Ontario? Because it's still really, really cold in the winter, isn't it? Yes, it is. I sh- shiver when you ask. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, we have um, consistently cold weather here. It's why we're the largest producer of ice wine, which we'll get to in a moment. But we're very much a cool climate. And so, um, I mean, it... And we can have wide, wide swings from winter to summer. Um, one of the subregions of Ontario is called Prince Edward County. It's the most um, northerly. And, you know, in the winter, they have to hill the vines um, before winter comes. So they push the soil up against the vines because if they don't, mm. if they don't provide that nice warm or that protective layer of soil, the vines will die from cold during the winter and they won't survive. So Niagara, a little bit more south in the province, is a bit warmer where they don't have to do that hilling. But I mean, you know, we, we are both on a Celsius metric here. This week or last week, we it's gone down to minus 40 degrees Celsius. So uh, it's just Bitter, it can be bitterly cold and it's consistently cold and we're we're crazy but we we still live here and love it for other reasons <laughs> well should we talk about ice wine because sure. that is actually Canada's speciality now I know still wine is growing sparkling we might be able to touch on but let's yes. do ice wine because I don't know if this is still accurate but I've seen statistics over the years that yes ice wine ice wine it's came originally from Germany but yeah. around 80 90 percent of the world's ice wine is coming from Canada now I don't know if that's still true that statistic um I would tend to believe it um yeah. because let's we're so that. consistently cold <laughs> so yeah yeah let's make it a statistic that's been verified now um yeah. but a 10 out of 10 vintages we will make ice wine three yeah. to four out of vintages germany will make ice exactly. wine exactly um yeah. so it's it's that advantage of cold if you will and um you know a lot of exports to the uk uh are ice wine and just a few stats there um if they're of interest you know we ex- ontario exports about eight hundred thousand canadian dollars worth of exports to the uk um, and that represents 80% of what Canada exports wine-wise to the UK. So most of it comes from Ontario. Yes. And um, so it's ice wine, it's ice cuvee, meaning a sparkling ice wine. But mm. also in the market we have, uh, or Ontario has Chardonnay, Riesling, Cab Franc, Pinot Noir, and so on. But um, back to ice wine, it's kind of a magical process to to make it, to harvest it, because you can't just put grapes in an ice box that is fake and it is now trademarked just like champagne is ice wine needs to be made naturally until the grapes freeze on the vines Mm. and they must be picked at minus eight degrees celsius or colder so often that is on a december january night at midnight and there are stories where the temperature will plunge such that the grapes become literally marble pellets and they've been known to break the presses they're so hard Oh my gosh. Um, Yeah. And you only get like a a drip out of each one. No, it's funny because I remember a story. I think it's from Inniskillen, which for anyone who wants to have a legendary producer, that would be it. And we can get everyone in the UK 
that's probably the main one that and um pelly island these are the two that you could yes. definitely find in the uk i think he was saying just you're quite rightly said it has to be minus eight or lower but they made big mistakes i think you know at the beginning stages of learning which is what going back to only the 1980s we're not going back that far and they were picking at something like minus 18 and at oh. that point it's too too cold and so as you said like these marbles that going into any kind of machine things are flinging off and it's really destructive so their ideal picking temperature is like minus 10 to minus 12 but of course each winery will have difference of opinion but minus 18 too too cold so it's got to be really tough to get it right the right temperature to pick they call it extreme winemaking and because you don't want those little pellets to thaw either as you pick them back to Mm -hmm. the winery they've got to stay frozen to stay concentrated because it's the concentration of the flavor the dehydration that has happened naturally because of the hang time all the way to december january um that's where they get all all of that luscious elixir i i like to say that ice wine you know it's it's a honeyed elixir it's like peach preserves and and apricot it's it's Mm. it would be the drink that they would serve you as you're waiting outside the pearly gates to get into heaven (laughs) do you know what i totally totally understand of course as well it's always so golden well mostly golden in the glass unless of course we're talking about cabernet franc let's let's stick with the white grape varieties which are are more (laughs) normal but yeah i always get this quite exotic i i don't know i've always got lots of these really vibrant pineapples as a majority tropical fruit really Mm. oh yeah it's absolutely stunning wonderful because people don't realize because they think of it as a dessert wine but two things it can be served at the front of the meal or during the meal substitute wherever you might try so turn exactly you know like a foie gras i know that's probably not a exactly politically correct pairing but wherever you might have um so turn sub the sweet wine from bordeaux substitute an ice wine but also ice wine only has about 10 percent alcohol so unlike port and fortified dessert wines that have double you are not going to be asleep on the sofa at 7 p.m (laughs) right so that big bonus Um, (laughs) but there's so many food pairings i mean you know biscotti fruit flan fruit cobbler spicy jalapeno foods yeah absolutely sweet and spicy yes. so thai food and exactly. mexican food and sweet meats heat Indian. it's a great combo yeah. absolutely so you can really play with it but of course just to point out to everybody sweet wines are considered from 50 grams of residual sugar upwards but typically i'd say if i'm right we're talking like 250 grams of residual sugar per liter or something like that it's in that it's, vicinity with it's pretty concentrated because it, yeah. again the grapes have been allowed to dehydrate they've lost all of their or a lot of their moisture um so they they're just so concentrated and they've had such a long hang time on the vine well past the usual harvest for still or dry table wines um so that's where they're getting this deep 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 concentration of flavor sugar and just um beautiful glorious expanding flavors as they hit your palate but of course the sad news is it's typically not very cheap is it and i think that's because of the yields like you've talked about the fact when they're pressing it most of it's frozen and they're only getting out the tiniest bit of juice so that ice 
doesn't exist you can't use it anymore so from if it was a normal grape where they could get 100% of the juice out they're getting what 10 15% of the juice out it's minuscule and not only is the yield low like you know what you get from those little rock pellets but also because the grapes have stayed on the vines you know two three months longer than usual they're really subject to predators like deer, rabbits, starlings are the number one predator mm. of, they love their ice wines or the ice wine grapes, I should say. And um, there's been lots of creativity in trying to keep the starlings away. Like you'll, if you go around in the, at harvest time, you'll hear the bird boxes and it's screeching sounds of starlings uh, in distress uh, because they're trying to ward off these these murmurations of, of just big thick clouds of starlings circling overhead trying to find a nice feast. And they've wow. got net, nets all around the vines trying to keep the starlings away. <laughs> My most favorite um, technique was uh, I went to a winery Featherstone, which is actually one of my favorite wineries to visit in Niagara, and I can okay. expand on that. But the, they had a, a like a cannon that would blast off into the vineyards every so often. But these, <laughs> these starlings have become so used to the cannon, they were perched along it in a little row on the cannon, and the cannon would blast, and it would they would kind of flutter and come back down. Like they found it a nice warm roosting post. It was like it was like they almost like giving an index feather to the the winemaker. It's like thanks, but no thanks. <laughs> oh wow. Okay. Well, I know. So I've heard that birds can be a massive problem. But yeah, is netting the probably the most normal way that they try to keep the birds away from it eating is. that glorious winter feast? It is, and they they can be quite beautiful at night. I've seen starlight, blue moon starlight highlighting these white nets like they're almost like ball gowns draped over these vines quite beautiful but it's it's quite costly and it's mm. not a hundred percent effective um interesting side bit i think starlings were never native to north america some idiot in the 1800s brought them over because he thought that in central park new york they should have all the songbirds mentioned in Shakespeare's um, sonnets. <laughs> and so he brought the bloody starlings. And now, like most winemakers, consider them rats with wings. No. So they're so predatory. <laughs> That's so funny. Good story. I like that. That's absolutely brilliant. No, ice wine, I'm pretty sure the majority, like 90%, is now growing in Ontario. But there is a, there is a little... Oh, I see British Columbia as well, which I'm like, you're not allowed to talk about now. <laughs> you, yes. are. you are. Um, but there's British Columbia probably a second. And then there is a little bit in Quebec and yes. Nova Scotia, right? Although yes. I've heard, do they have a different law? I think in Quebec, because it's just too cold they can actually cut them in advance and then hang them is that correct? I'm not sure um what their practices are um because I focused mainly on Ontario and BC Where, yeah. but mm. it's the Quebec is the eastern townships which again is sort of the most southern part you're going to get in, in that province um to ripen but they Quebec also has some marvelous ciders and cider rice wines uh, oh, based okay. on like 50 varieties of apples that they grow there, which is really lovely. And then Nova Scotia is in the Annapolis Valley. I'm originally from Nova Scotia, so it's just about an hour away from Halifax. You get the moderating influence of the Atlantic Ocean, and then the Annapolis Valley is this warm dip. 
and it's right next to the Bay of Fundy, which is the world's highest tides. They go up and down, and but, but again, the moderating influence of the water, just as you do in Niagara, you've got Lake Ontario. So you've got these little pockets of viability for, for wine um, based on course geography and climate yeah well it'd be interesting to see how those two grow i guess because yes. as we realize more varieties and what you can do with them it will grow but let's come back to ontario because of course that's where everything is and it, anyone around the world if you're going to get hold of a canadian wine you're most likely going to be able to get that from ontario so there's like three sub-regions within ontario isn't there so yes what is the What's the layout, and again, what's probably the most popular? Popular? That's not the right comment. What's the largest, the most, yep. Gotcha. What's the la- largest popular? Whatever, yep. potatoes, potatoes. Yep. <laughs> uh, so we've got, I mentioned Prince Edward County, where they have to hill the vines because it's so cold. Mm. It's beautiful, though. It, all three regions are gorgeous, and, and they do have wine routes and, and places to visit um, in addition to the wineries, because a lot of wineries have restaurants um, attached to them. And there's ballooning and bike riding and inns and country ways and all the rest of it. So lovely, lovely places to visit in all three regions. Prince Edward County is, um, you know, more north uh, versus Niagara. Smaller. It's newer, newer region. And it's pretty small. It's probably the smallest. It is the smallest of the three in terms of output. Closest to Ottawa, isn't it, as well? It is. It is. Yeah, the capital. The coldest capital on earth. Colder on average than Moscow. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, and that's where you live now, right? Yes. Crazy. I I don't know. But anyway, (laughs) it's home now, so. (laughs) And I have a good coat. So, um, but there are some wineries around Ottawa. Uh, They are very new. And um, they do struggle a lot with the cold. Mm -hmm. And so it's not hugely established but they're definitely they're making progress but so then as you say um the closest drive time is prince Edward county so that's probably two and a half to maybe three hours drive and then niagara would take seven no yeah six hours drive it's past it's Mm -hmm. south of toronto yeah and going south um and then the furthest south is Lake Erie North Shore where and Paley Island, where you, you mentioned Paley Island Winery is one of the largest producers in the province. Uh, Paley Island and Lake Erie North Shore, that whole region is the warmest in Canada. Um, but the largest is actually Niagara and mm. um, because it's got that lake effect and it's just, it, it's a superb region. And it, if you think of those Russian nesting dolls, there are sub-appellations within appellations. So there's like Niagara on the Lake, Niagara Bench, Niagara Escarpment. And then you can go down even yeah. further. There's 12 yeah. in total, right? So they've got the two kind of main regions within the Niagara Peninsula, but then yeah. within them, there's lots of little even ones, more. right? Yeah, exactly. Yes. But which goes to show though, I always say this, you know, when many people don't know of a region and then they find out there's all these sub-regions, it's like, whoa, I, I haven't even got my head around the fact that there's even wine growing here. But it goes to show yeah. if there's sub-regions that based on closeness to the lake. And then of course you've got the Niagara River to the east. So N- right. Niagara on the lake is gonna be slightly different, isn't it? Cause it's closer it's warmer. to that Niagara River. Mm-hmm. It's gonna have yeah. more of that um, influence. Everyone, water generally moderates temperatures. If you're near exactly. a body of water, that help tends to, if that's what you need, is gonna help. So of course the winters are gonna be slightly less cold. They're gonna hold on to some of that, you know, 
summer yeah. temperatures and they're going to moderate it but at the same time when things are quite warm they're going to cool things down so yeah so there you go everyone if you want to get really wine geeky you've got 12 sub-regions in total to pay attention to and you've got a it's it's like a water bottle effect i've heard it described so it, it, as you say it's storing up heat during the summer the lake is and then so it's it's and the breezes are are moderating or mitigating the heat of the summer and it's storing up that heat the water is and then it lets it off in the winter so the winters aren't so cold so it's got this circular motion of the seasons where the you know it it literally is moderating the temperatures in in both all seasons amazing i i've seen pictures as well in the winter and of course anywhere that has the snow on vines is beautiful as well so <laughs> and during the summer oh and during the summer with the lakes reflecting the sunshine i can imagine actually this region in general any time of the year must be stunning it is it is i um you know, I tend to visit more in the summer or fall because those are gorgeous times to visit. But, you know, anytime, really. And and even Niagara itself, there's even more to do. There's this very quaint, um, sort of beautiful little old village. There's the Shaw Festival, the Bernard Shaw Festival. So the, okay. it's great for literary types as well to uh-huh. combine our books and bottles. Um, uh-huh. But yeah, there's all kinds. And then a lot of the producers that you can get um, in the UK, you can visit here, you know, whether it's Andrew Peller, Cave Spring, you know, um, Domain Kalis, Henry of Pelham. These are all labels that do make it to the UK, but you can come visit them here while you're here. Now, you mentioned, who did you mention, a winery of yours that you, well, not of yours, that you had a wonderful experience on you wanted yes. to talk about? Okay, so it's called Featherstone. Okay. And it's owned by a husband and wife, and it's an adorable tiny winery on um, the Niagara Escarpment and they uh, so they don't like starlings either and (laughs) Louise anyone apparently no they're just like non grata Um, but Louise the wife is a falconer and she has trained a falconer Ah. to chase after the starlings and um, yeah so it it helps a lot it's all very natural uh, but it's also how the the falcon eats Um, But then they've also bring in every spring, they bring in all these baby lambs and the lambs are, they're, they're only tall enough to eat the nice grasses and they'll eat naturally the leaf canopy near the bottom of the vines. Uh, But they don't like the grapes because they're not ripe and they're too high up for them. But these baby lambs are so adorable. They call them lamb mowers. Um, so, because they reduce their environmental hoof print. I mean, the puns go on. Um, uh. I went to visit all the lambs at the lamb farm where they get the lambs. Yeah. And uh, there was um, a woman there. Uh, I kid you not, her last name uh, was Shepherd. But anyway, but she, there was, <laughs> there was Des- this totally destined to work there. I know, right? And, mm-hmm. um, but they had this big um, male sheep, I guess a ram. And uh, he had his hoofs up tall. He was being very alpha, alpha male. And uh, as we passed, <laughs> passed him, uh, you know, I was asking, "What is that sheep?" And he, oh, I forget what she called him, but she said, "He's from Alberta. He thinks he's hot stuff." But he was there to mate <laughs> with all the the female sheep. <laughs> so anyway, well, quite clearly, he was hot stuff. He, he was, was hot stuff, very. Yeah. Literally, but um, so they, and then I asked um, later when I got back to the winery 
It's just so beautiful, and the wines are gorgeous. Their Rieslings are just, I think, the best, among the best in Ontario. I said, well, what happens with the lambs at the end of the season? <laughs> she goes, well, we don't talk about that. But she, she was just <laughs> laughing. It's the reason we don't name the lambs. Uh, it's the circle of life. Uh, they go to one of the best restaurants um, in the in the region, and they have a, a snout to tail kind of food and wine pairing. Um, so the lambs, uh, some of them, not all of them, um, go to this grand feast in the fall of lamb dinner. Anyway, sheep dinner. <laughs> <laughs> well, as you said, circle of life. Circle and... of life. Yes, they were happy in their youth they they were roaming happy. roaming as as what lamb mowers as lamb mowers brilliant yes, okay exactly. so people need to come actually to this winery the best time would be in the spring then and they can see the little lambs. oh yeah all the lambs mm. and the hawk all the all the animals it's a working farm i think that's why i loved it so much it's like you know farms people have this thing about wines you know it's fancied up farming it's not even fancied up it it is a farm these are working farms in most cases and it's not glamorous but it's 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 wonderful oh, beautiful i need to come i need to come so yes. in terms of grape varieties we've mentioned riesling is riesling probably the number one white grape variety growing for still wine Yes, I'd say Riesling and Chardonnay. Cool climate Chardonnay has made a yeah. comeback around the world. Um, you know, uh, we're done with ABC, anything but Chardonnay, the over-oaked fruit bombs. So I would say the two, Riesling probably does lead, but I think our, the Chardonnays we make here are crisp and steely. Um, think more Chablis than, you know, mm -hmm. Chardonnay Heavily down south. Oaked. Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly, but with our own signature. So uh, yeah, I would definitely, I would point to those two whites being very much the signature of Ontario white wines. And then red, would it be mm. Cabernet Franc? Yes, excellent, yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, excellent Cabernet Franc, but also Gamay, the, the, the grape of, of southern yeah. Beaujolais, yeah. Okay. and Pinot Noir, the grape of northern Burgundy, um, because they're cool climate, you know, and they, they do well here. And so those grapes, if we put them all together, Pinot Noir, Chardonnay, maybe occasionally Pinot Meunier, we also make great, great sparkling wines. Right, and again, Otario is um, is leading for the sparkling wines. Or... Yes, uh, Ontario in in Canada would lead um, sparkling wines. Um, now, all the other regions make them: Quebec, uh, Ontario, Nova Scotia, and BC because of the cool climate. But uh, yeah, it's just they they're winning awards, and I mean just breaking records in terms of how how great they are and okay. aging well and you know on the leaves all kinds of different styles beautiful beautiful and i remember reading in lake erie north shore which you mentioned is a little bit warmer mm -hmm. there is actually some merlot in like cabernet sauvignon growing there because yes. it is that little bit warmer so that separates that a little bit from lower down yeah, they can the produce Rhine. warmer reds. Um, okay. You know, if we have a warm vintage, it's great. But generally, year in, year out, um, you'll get warmer reds like Colio Estates down there produces some really great reds. And um, Paley Island, of course, a big producer. Yes. Um, yeah. But in terms of the ice wine, just coming back to that, of course, mm -hmm. I see Riesling. Vidal, which is the hybrid, which just does really well. I don't, nobody's doing that as a still wine, are they? Because it just suits. 
It suits ice wine. Um, There are a few who do it still, but it's a small percentage. Some are making orange wine, like Southbrook Estates makes a marvelous uh, orange wine out of Vidal. Um, And Anne Sperling, rock star winemaker. I mean, she's just led the charge for biodynamic and organic winemaking in Canada. She also owns a winery in BC, Sperling Vineyards, has consulted with her husband in Nova Scotia, Blomidon Vineyards. So okay. she's really led the way and established the f- world's first orange wine uh, appellation here in Ontario, VQA. Okay. So, but yeah, but for Vidal, it tends to be floral, um, a thin-skinned grape. So it it does wonderfully well as an ice wine. My personal preference, though, is Riesling for the basis of ice wine because it has that silver seam of acidity that balances the mm. sweetness and enables ice wine to age longer too. Okay, and of course, for anybody, you know. You don't. It, it is a wine that can age with the sugar, with the acidity. It it's more about preference, though. You know, we exactly. just like still wine. It will get darker in color. It will get more honeyed. It will get a little bit maybe smokier, or but it, it'll just get richer. And the 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 more fresh aromatics will start to change. So if you like it fresh, you can drink it young, but you can lie it down mm-hmm. and enjoy it much precisely much later on, right? Oh, yeah. Beautiful. So it's. For, for ice wine, Riesling, uh, Vidal, and Cabernet Franc are the three that I see. Is yes. it? I think Cabernet Sauvignon is being used as well in ice it wine. Is, isn't yeah. It is, yeah. So we do get those red ice wines and um, Gewurztraminer as well is sometimes a basis. And, okay. and people are, I mean, there's been experiments with Chardonnay as the basis and, and so on. But yeah, the, the big ones They're tend the to be Riesling and Vidal, and then to a lesser extent, the red based grapes. And in terms of, we mentioned Videl is a hybrid. So for anyone, it's just, it's a crossing of two different Vetus plants. So Vetus vinifera is the plant that we, you know, we know our Chardonnays and our Cabernet Sauvignon, all the grapes you know. But in America, Vetus lambrusca and America and Canada has always been, that's been kind of the main uh, Vetus plant. Is that, is, is, is that still planted in Canada? Are people making any wine from Vetus lambrusca? Uh, oh gosh I'm not sure I tend to focus on all the wineries that are uh, the classic vinifera grapes Um, you know one of our big hybrids though is Baco Noir ah yeah yeah. people are making okay I have I have no idea what it tastes like and what it is but I've seen Baco Noir on many different bottles online not in front of me (laughs) yeah yeah Henry of Pelham is the star maker of Baco Noir there are a number of other producers who do it very well but they've made a real name out of their Baco Noir like they really stand for it and Baco is a full-bodied red it's smooth um I don't know how to describe it like a little bit like a Syrah a little bit like a Cabernet um but it has these dark fleshy ripe um fruit berry flavors it's great with grilled meat i mean it's a it's a it's a great wine especially the way they make it and quite clearly it's a hardy grape variety that can handle Very. frosts and cold so this is a hybrid this is a it hybrid, is right it yeah. is okay yeah. Baco noir everybody that's amazing yeah. okay right so i mean what, what what's the future in your opinion for canadian wines wines of uh, ontario what do you think uh bigger better i mean it just um there's so many, probably like England, there's so many new wineries springing up every year. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I say bigger, I don't mean that, you know, bigger companies, but just more diversity, more lots of little tiny boutique wineries. Um, 
more experiences when you go to the winery, like at um, Andrew Peller or Peller Estates, you can go down into the ice wine lounge where it's minus eight degrees. They give you a parka oh, and it's okay. all ice and you taste ice wine. after, you, And then afterwards, you can go up to their splendid restaurant and have a fine dinner. I mean, there's just lots of experiences when you visit wow. these regions that are really fun. That um, sounds so, amazing. Yeah. So lots of tourism I see in the future, more and more great restaurants, um, more and more boutique wineries experimenting, and just even traditional wineries knowing more and more what works. I mean, we've got yeah. a lot of experience now. We're still considered a relatively new region, but I mean, there's just decades and decades of experimenting with soils and climates and grapes that they're really perfecting the wines here that we do well. Perfect. And if people come, is there, you said obviously most of these wineries are open to visitors and they have their restaurants and have wonderful cellars and uh, experiences are there a specific wine routes in place like if people came yes. is that yeah okay is there the yeah. niagara peninsula wine route or exactly and there's um, okay. an organization called wine country ontario which is kind of like the wine council for ontario they produce a really terrific map of all the wineries and you can get it online as well um, I'll send you the link for that, uh, Yanina, for your show notes. Yes. But okay, they, they ha have a lots of resources on their website. I have all the wineries on my website as well um, so that folks can find out, you know, where to go. And, of course, um, in, you know, if you're visiting there now or in the summer, you want to plan out your visits because with social distancing, it may ease up completely. Um, the wineries are open for, for visitors, but... Um, sometimes you do need to make an appointments just because yeah. of the social distancing aspect. Okay, but they are open and they're they waiting are. for us. Amazing. And it's a more personal experience. I think in some ways, um, although you know COVID has been very hard on wineries and restaurants, for the mm. wineries, I think there's been some good in that it's a much more personal experience. Often now you make an appointment like you would at a restaurant. You sit down and taste. It's leisurely. You're not fighting at a tasting bar with a throng of people. And sometimes even the winemaker will come over and talk to you or somebody will guide you through. You might be doing some food pairing. So it's a more personalized experience now. Beautiful. Okay. You've inspired me to come. Amazing. Yes, and you have to come. You're so passionate. Like, I think that you are my new inspiration oh. you know, on TV, writing books, <laughs> um, you, and of course your podcast. And um, so you're fantastic. Remind everybody again where they need to go on your website so they can find out about all your online courses and your books and everything that you're doing. Where do they need to go? Thank you so much. I appreciate the opportunity to talk to you, Ianina, and, and for the, the plugs. Um, so my website is nataliemclean.com. So it's N-A-T-A-L-I-E-M-A-C-L-E-A-N. I um, also wanted to mention that I am working on my third book. Um, I think I mentioned it briefly. It's a memoir, yes. very different from the first two books, but I am okay. looking for beta readers as you might say, beta readers. Um, so, <laughs> so if any of your listeners or if you yourself, you Nina, are I interested. I think I might have I would, to. I would love input on that. It's, um, it's yes. more of a serious story about being a woman in the wine industry for the past 20 years. Um, but uh, it wine is all through it is still Ooh. wine soaked for sure. So yes. if, if anybody wants to reach me either through my website, nataliemclean.com, email me, natalie at nataliemclean.com. And the website is where you'll find my podcast, Unreserved Wine Talk, the previous two books, my online food and wine pairing courses, and all the all the stuff, all and the things. 
everything so yes. yes absolutely and anyone you can find all those details in my show notes great and you can contact me and i'll get you on the the beta list for reading yes. this new sneak book. peek and everybody listening to this if you're listening to this when this has just come out you only have a few weeks or so to wait and i will be on natalie's podcast hey. so we had such do... a great chat oh my yes, gosh that was fun we, well Ooh. we thought so yes we did <laughs> We got carried away. We, we enjoyed ourselves. Yes. We can't promise you anything. Yes, we did. Natalie, thank you ever so Great. much. It's been a pleasure. Aww. And um, quite clearly, let, we should do this again sometime. We really should. How's Monday? Yeah, perfect. I'm free. Anytime. <laughs> you know, I can't wait till you come over here. I'm going to, uh, you know, tell the folks at Wine Country Ontario, they need to need to encourage you strongly to get over here. I think that sounds like a plan. Thank you. Have a yes. beautiful day. And we'll you speak too, on, on Monday and then on Tuesday. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Take care. All right. Bye for now. Bye. Do let me know where you are in the world and if you can get hold of Canadian wine. Now, after listening to that chat, I really hope there is some available to you. Now, I'm often quoting authors and writers, so why not quote Natalie McLean herself to finish off this episode, as she too has a few quotes to be found on the internet. One that she so eloquently said was, While wine may be only a drink, it is also one of the most complex sensory pleasures we enjoy. It is as cerebral as it is sensual, and it requires a lifetime to appreciate it. I don't know about you, but I am okay dedicating my life to the sport of wine appreciation. Now, perhaps you can see this episode as a prelude into March, which is Women's History Month. And of course, International Women's Day, which is on the 8th of March. I'm sure you will agree from the female guests on my show that they have all been rather inspiring. And so for all my episodes during the month of March, we're going to be talking with strong and passionate women. So I hope you're going to tune in and join me to celebrate women's achievements. And next week, I am talking with the winemaker, Rebecca Weinberg, from the incredibly prestigious winery Quintessa. We'll be talking vineyard practices, harvest rituals, biodynamics, and so much more. There's a lot of content within. Thank you. As always, my faithful listeners, you are all gold and much appreciated. Now, if you are appreciating what you hear and learn, please don't forget to share this podcast with a fellow wine lover. Make sure you are subscribed so you do not miss an episode like this episode. And if you can leave me a comment, especially on Apple Podcasts, you will be making this podcast far more discoverable. Right, you lovely lot. That's it for this episode. So until next week, cheers to you.